Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers. I am your host, Jeremy J. Fissett. On this episode, we get to meet Christopher Blauvelt. Christopher is a renowned and acclaimed cinematographer. He has worked with the likes of Sofia Coppola, Gus Van Zandt, and most recently, Autumn DeWilde on her newest film, Emma. Christopher came up in the business under the tutelage and mentorship of other acclaimed cinematographers, such as Harris Savitas, who he shared a great kinship with and worked with up until Harris's unfortunate passing. He is most known for his work with director Kelly Reichardt, the minimalist American filmmaker. In this chat, we discuss various projects from throughout Christopher's career, as well as what it was like for him coming up in this business, moving slowly from second assistant all the way up to director of photography. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Christopher Blavelt. Is it not? Is it only audio? It is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, 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 no cameras needed. <laughs> All right, that leaves a little bit less pressure. <laughs> That's my thought exactly. <laughs> so, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Just trying to stay busy. Yeah, same here. As, as busy as I can, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so what are you uh, doing? A good job of it, right, with your podcast and everything. Well, that's kind of why I started it. I mean, I was sort of sitting on the idea for a while, but um, then this all started, so I figured, why not just do it now? <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. I mean, um, perfect motivation. Yeah, and I figure that you know most people are home, so <laughs> yeah. So it seems like a decent time to ask yeah, not- for, for forty-five minutes of your time. Yeah, people don't have uh, as good of excuses as they might have before. <laughs> No, although they they definitely still come up with some. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, the reason that I was pushing us at least back further in the day is because I've been surfing in the morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was not expecting that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, it's California. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm in Connecticut. Okay. So total opposite side, very cold water. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's been pretty cold here, too. Yeah, no, no, I don't think anyone is surfing right now. Not here. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else have you been doing to, to stay busy these days? Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of exercise, which has been really great. Uh, my wife's got us on this kind of regiment that we do once a day. She actually runs as well, which I don't do. But we do this like, uh, it's almost an hour. It's like... A core um, exercise. So it's something I always think about doing and I would do occasionally, but now that we've, you know, been together and, and I've been able to focus or, or at least plan it out, you know, we end up doing it a lot more, which is good. And then, you know, like prepping a lot of projects and everybody, a lot of people that I know are, are um, filmmakers in one way or another. So there's a lot of, um, the heads are spinning in terms of uh, like like 
prep for jobs and developing things. So I've been working with a handful of friends, developing scripts and just making plans for the future when this is all um, behind us. Yeah. Do you, do you find that the work is sort of compounding now more than ever because you just, it's like piling up because nothing's being made? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I can definitely feel the eagerness um, and the fire underneath a lot of people that I am surrounded with, you know, in terms of making their own projects. But I think now that it's been so long, you know, I think people are getting ready to, to, execute so i think that that the the um it's sort of the days off the days that we'll be able to to work and actually make make the films are there you know there's a light there at the end of the tunnel and so it's getting more and more um vigorous yeah i'm I'm curious if um i've been curious if this will end up sort of shifting how films look for a little while or how they feel for a little how they're made for a little while because I don't know if it's going to be exactly like it was before. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a way that it wouldn't. And yeah. I, I feel I actually it's one way that I feel uh, pretty grateful for um, my experience in this world is that I've worked on a lot of you know low budget and independent films, and I've worked on a lot of you know friend jobs and small jobs and um you know doing things by any means necessary um and i think that that the big sort of studio giant you know 300 people on a set days are are gonna it's gonna be slow to get back to that so i feel a little bit um like i said definitely grateful but i feel like maybe even a tiny advantage um, and having that as part of, a huge part of my background and my experiences. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you, when I look at your um, your credits, you have worked on a lot of films that are sort of smaller in scale, and and so maybe those kinds of films will be made similarly. But 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 you're right. I mean, the the big, huge, epic, you know, humongous machine movies are. are I think those are going to be hard to get back into. I don't know when those are really going to start up again. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult, but there's a lot of smart people out there. I've seen a lot of um, memos and a lot of sort of uh, preliminary uh, um, sheets with ideas on how to do this and breakdowns. And there's a lot of things that that are very ingenious uh, coming up. So I think that, and it, you know, go, going back to like independent work versus the the, the big giant. Um, films with all the people i think you know they're they're also the ones that have all the money so that's true you know they're gonna be when it when the time comes it'll it'll come back in full swing but you know there's definitely going to be a there's going to be new protocols in place to make sure that you know the humans are are safe yeah um so yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you've you've worked on on several of those films um, in the past, those kinds of smaller movies. But how did you ultimately even enter this world to begin with? Oh well, that's that's I think an interesting story because you know I live in Hollywood. I grew up in Los Angeles, and my grandfather was a grip, and my grandmother was a costumer, and my dad, my uncle my brother and my cousins are all camera department 
Oh, so, wow. When I was a kid, my dad had, uh, you know, we sort of, we were just sort of in the film business, not, and I remember it took me a while until I even realized that it was unique. You know, I, th- I just sort of felt like this isn't, isn't this what everyone's parents do? Because when I was a kid, we'd visit movie sets and, you know, like I said, it took me a while until I really realized that it was a, um, a more unique, um, existence but yeah so I, I when I was a kid my dad had done a job in Japan and he brought me back a Pentax a 35 millimeter camera and he used to I used to shoot as a kid with these Polaroids that they would buy for me they were like little toys there's this one called the Polaroid handle mm. and it's a hundred percent plastic and pretty <laughs> much kid proof but uh it was a big deal for me having this thing. And I remember really loving like composing shots and I really loved getting, um, changing the, the, uh, the dynamic with human beings, you know, just by when I was a kid, I remember feeling the sort of, I don't want to say power, but like you could get people to pay attention to you and focus a little bit. And when you pull, when you put a camera in front of them, so mm-hmm. you would feel the dynamic change in a room by saying like, hey, grandma, can you stand next to my mom? And I'd hold the camera and they'd be like, oh, of course, sweetie. And so I, I remember really loving that and, and uh, loving putting people inside this little box that later, you know, would be a big part of, of what I do now, which is, you know, composition. And, you know, again, it's putting people in a box. I guess we never stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, uh, did you end up, did you go to film school? I did not. Mm. I, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really despise school. I was, I don't want to say <laughs> I was a rebel, but I, I definitely, um, I didn't enjoy it at all. Just the authority and the, just the whole, um, sort of institutional, um, environment of school. I felt, I felt, uh, very oppressed. Hmm. And so anyway, I, so I know I didn't go to film school and I got, you know, I was doing like odd jobs and I remember, you know, I was really into skateboarding and punk rock and just being sort of a wild kid. And I remember it got to a point where my dad was like, you're, you know, if you're not going to go to college, you better learn something. And so I started going to movie sets with him and I learned how to load film when I was, you know, in high school actually. And so I had this, this, uh, I had this, you know, luckily, you know, I had this um, nepotistic uh, <laughs> growing up at that point that helped me get in there. Yeah. And I was able to adapt it to, you know, what I do now. But I, you know, I've been through like the, the a lot, I say the kids, but a lot of the people that work for me and have worked for me that, that have gone to film school and just may or, or not, but they've worked for me that, they tend to move up the ranks like very quick. And when I was doing it, I mean, I was a film loader for about five years and I was a second assistant for another five, six years. And so every step up, you know, I spent an enormous amount of time. So that was, that was my film school was just going through, you know, pragmatically just going through the system that way. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I studied film in school um, as well as English, um, but I can totally see the advantage to, to, to your avenue as well. I mean, even beyond the, 
as you put it, the nepotistic sort of connection. I mean, even beyond that, I, I feel like that hands-on learning must have been probably infinitely more useful in the long run. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to think about that. And I wouldn't say that it's the best way. I will say I'm more of a, I'm someone who learns by experience. I'm definitely more of just like a tactile, you know, I gain my knowledge through actual experience. And when there's something I don't know, I just sort of dive right in. How do I, I go to, to the people that are the techs or whoever it might be to, to really try and understand it. Mm-hmm. But I want to say that like, you know, the, the kids that did go to film school, I was always jealous of them because they knew more about film theory and they knew who every director was and they knew, they knew how to articulate breaking down scenes in a way that I didn't. And so, yeah, when they would come to set and, you know, it would be like a director's nephew or so. I remember it was uh, for a minute, there was this kid, Stefan, who was Jan DuPont, Jan DuPont's um, like nephew. And, um, he was super knowledgeable and I love this guy and, and, you know, yeah, I could run circles around him on a movie set, but it was one of those things where we, we would trade what we had for each other. And that I always find is a beautiful thing. You know, I don't, I don't ever look down on anyone who doesn't, um, you know, understand any type of film theory or, or, and especially who doesn't understand how to function on a movie set, you know, because everybody's got to start somewhere and learn somewhere i'm more opposed to people who would act like they do but actually don't you know right on my sets i you know i try to make it and i do make it as inclusive as possible because i you know i I know where i came from and i've i've you know i've paid it forward and i still pay it forward i've gotten over 10 people in my union that are either acquaintances or friends that i've you know just seen something in and been able to help. And so for me, that's, that's something that's very rewarding. You know, it's just a human being, you know, just like helping friends. I I remember my friend, Sarah is a great example. She's a photographer and amazing artist. And she, um, I just like, I, I seriously just missed her. And so when we were younger, I just kept saying to her, like, are you sure you're not interested in just, you know, coming to set and seeing how this works for you? And it was literally my, my, my thought there was to just try to have spend more time with her. Cause I was always on a, on a job myself. And, you know, of course, not of course, but thankfully it worked out and bless her. And she's a camera operator and she's, you know, loves it. So yeah. it's one of those things that's, it's a it's a crazy world, but you know there's a demand for a lot of folks on these sets, and and it's it's uh, great when it's a collective experience. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, from my experience, you know, going through film school. I mean, I didn't go to like Tisch or anything, but going through film school, you consistently get told things like you know, when you are starting out, there's a lot of those more technical jobs, you know, lighting and sound people who are just sort of on the set and helping out. And that's kind of a really good way to get your leg in. But mm-hmm. I also found that, I mean, I loved my professors. I thought they were really smart and I, I, I'm really proud of the work I made in film school. But I also found that I, I felt like we didn't really get a super grounded um, perspective of that because no one I know moved out to LA. No one I know from that school 
is doing that, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't know if it was just um, sort of a lack of that connection because we didn't really get those connections that you'd get at some really esteemed school. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel like knowing people and just sort of doing it yourself can sometimes yield um, stronger results. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's my experience. So that's what I know and I've known it to work so I can speak to that. But, um, mm. but like I said, I, you know, I see a lot of value as well into talking to someone. I mean, there's a, the, one of my main directors I work for, her name is Kelly Reichert and she's a professor oh, yeah. at Bard. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, when I work with her, or when I'm around her, I go to film school. Oh know? yeah. And I, I couldn't imagine, um, Oh, it's funny. I mean, also some of her students have been my assistants and have been, now they're cameramen as well. Yeah. So that's happening. And that I think is just a matter of, yeah, it's just, I guess a matter of how the professors decide to share the knowledge with you or, or maybe their own knowledge, you know, cause I could see a film school be, being, being very important for, um, for you to learn like, like, other than the practical, you know, like the nuances of things and the theory mm -hmm. and, you know, the, besides the mechanisms of it all. Yeah. I mean, I definitely learned a lot there and I learned about the basics of screenwriting, which is what I tend to spend most of my time with. And, wow. you know, I did, I did learn technical things, but also, yeah, the film theory, it, 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 it does help. And I, and I'm grateful for the, for the knowledge I received there. I just sort of almost felt, you know, Kelly Reichardt, if she was my professor, that'd be different. My professors, I think, there was almost like a jadedness there, I um, think. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably not that uncommon sure. um, in film schools. And I just sort of, I mean, I, you know, I but tried to work, think work from, through it, but. Is it, is it, you think, because it's their, um, their people who themselves hadn't become successful enough to do what they wanted or not to say that being a professor is something to look down upon. I mean, God, no, <laughs> I'm just wondering what that might be, why they would be. Yeah. Paid. Yeah. I don't know if it was maybe like a, they didn't have the path that they thought they'd have yeah. or I don't know the, the, um, the scene wasn't what they thought it would be. I don't, I don't know. I never really got to the bottom of it. I almost didn't even really want to. Um, yeah. I just kind of did my thing and tried to, glean what I could from it right well yeah um, this is the exact kind of thing this is the exact reason I think I hated school so much I, <laughs> felt, I felt the condescension and I think I was a slow learner or something I just I was so my mind was so much in the in the stars hmm. I was a daydreamer I still am you know I think some of my best <laughs> ideas come when I'm just in the euphoric state of you know halfway between sleep and consciousness <laughs> But I think that, that, yeah, it's sad when I, when I hear that kind of thing. I mean, I, I did mostly love my experience. I just feel like I can totally see your side of the coin very right. well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's those, those kids that get to come on the set. And if they really want to, or say kids, but just anyone, comes onto a set and really wants to understand what any particular um, department or aspect or tool or trade within that environment. It's like just a matter of really focusing on it and spending the time and doing it, you know? Yeah. I think, and I'm, again, I think being in Connecticut also didn't really help because we're not, 
yeah usually like a major you know or not a major yeah. uh right you know, what, what do you call it whatever the center of it all um yeah. you do kind of have to go seek it out it doesn't really find you here so i think that was probably part of it too but yeah i can see that um sure. but yeah so we we will get back to kelly reichardt because i want to talk about her oh, cool. um but first i did want to mention or at least ask a little bit about sort of your coming up in the industry because when i you know when i when i do my um little research for this and i and i was looking up some stuff um about your career it, it, you you are often cited alongside or you know coming up under these sort of great dps um like lance acord um mm -hmm who did a lot of Spike Jones films and Sofia Coppola films, Christopher Doyle, who of course does a lot of Wong Kar Wai's films, Shyamalan yeah. um, and Neil Jordan. And then also most especially you are mentioned with Harry Savitas, um, who of course did Bling Ring and Birth and Zodiac and all those great, great films. Yeah. Um, so how did you end up getting sort of under their, I don't know how I'd exactly put it, but under their wing almost. How, how come do you think that you are sort of in that um, same breath. Well, um, I'm glad you bring this up because I really still admire and feel very grateful to be um, mentioned along with these amazing, talented, you know, incredible human beings. I, I, um, I would say the short answer is Harris. Harris was uh, someone that I, I worked under as a film loader, I think, and a second assistant. It just so happened that one of the, camera assistants I worked for, um, uh, Julian Watley is his name, and he, he was a first AC for Harris Savitas in the 90s. And uh, we just, we would go on runs as you do. And we worked for Fincher and we did commercials and we ended up doing, um, we ended up doing the game. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, to go back a little bit, I think, you know, when I first started in the business, I was a film loader, like I said, into second and all that stuff. But I worked on these big giant action films. Um, for whatever reason, I I was uh, in the mix with this these crews that would that were doing those, and it was Jan de Bond, and it was uh, Andre Barkoviak was a DP a lot, and um, uh, and I was sort of like I was like the Z camera, quote unquote, the Z camera guy, or you know, like I was very additional. I was. Mm -hmm. I was uh, one of the crew, which was like a huge crew for those action movies. I did like, you know, the Lethal Weapons and Speed and Geronimo and <laughs> Someone Louise and that kind of stuff. And uh, and I remember very specifically, very vividly, I remember working with Harris and and realizing that, and or we both sort of realized that we had... Um, and appreciation for the same kind of films. I mean, we started talking right away about Drugstore Cowboy and Gus Van Sant. And, um, uh, you know, he turned me on to Wong Kar Wai. And uh, so he he became right away this great knowledge. And it goes back to, to again, this is, my, this is my film school. And so years go by and I was his loader seconds. And then when I moved up to first assistant, um, I think Julian was shooting a lot more back then. And uh, I remember, I'll never forget it. I was on vacation with a girlfriend of mine in Barbados. <laughs> and this is before all the cell phones and I think even email. But somehow I got a message and it was from Harris calling me, wanting to know where I was like the following week. And I freaked out and I 
remember telling the girlfriend I was with, like, this is a big deal. And he, he found out that I was a first assistant. And after this, so I come home, I just started working for Harris and, uh, he kept me on his crew. I was with him, you know, until, until he passed away. And I had gone through every step from that point up with him, you know, he was always around me. And so I think he turned, you know, he, he introduced me to Gus and we went and did Jerry and then we did elephant and then we did last days. And through this, I met Chris Doyle and I got to work with, um, when uh, I got to do Paranoid Park with Gus Van Sant and Chris Doyle and Lance Accord was in there as well when I was camera operating. And I think it all sort of, it all comes from Harris. I think about him every day and I think that, uh, and I'm so grateful and I'm grateful, you know, for the people that I've met, you know, alongside of him. Great. I, I, you know, Gus is still a big part of my life and, you know, Lance Accord and I don't see Chris Doyle too often, but, you know, I'm just, uh, I think about it quite often and how, how lucky I am to work with people that I've admired even, even, uh, before knowing them, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's not everyone gets to experience that kind of thing. So that's, that's really fortunate. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something else. I'll tell you. (laughs) And also, yeah. What a, what a good film school really. Yeah. I always think about when you're, when you're mentioning that, I keep thinking about how Laura Dern always says that her film school was growing up with her parents, just like watching on set. Yeah. And I feel like that, that really must just be so enlightening. It really is. And I mean, I'll tell you when I first, when I first got to meet Gus, I, you know, I freaked out. This was something, I mean, I lived in a house with a bunch of punk rockers in the Valley and I remember I would pretty much force them to watch Drugstore Cowboy all the time <laughs> just because I knew that they would love it. And I, and I loved film and I loved how, wh- how it made me feel. And then, you know, when I met Harris, I also had a big um, realization that I could actually work on films that I admired, that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I loved, you know, I loved the Dardens. I loved like, uh, you know, Kurosawa. There's so many amazing films, but they weren't always the most um, uh, prominent in the mainstream, you know? And so to me, they were like just these secret gems that, that were only for me. And, and uh, they spoke to me so much. And so once I was able to, or once I figured out, you know, with Harris's help, of course, that we could work on these films that we actually really love to make. And um, that became my life. That's it. That's what I do now. I live for this, you know. Yeah. Did yeah. you? Um. Am I? Am I right in remembering that you? You essentially finished out the bling ring when when Harris passed away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How was that strange for you at all? Yeah, that was well strange. I mean, you know what? I when Harris was first diagnosed with brain cancer, he called me and uh. It was very emotional and and just it was very uh it was upsetting and terrible and you know the world sort of was crashing down but he was never one to you know ask for help or worry or you know he till he died he was just like hilarious and Mm. um anyway he he had been developing that film with Sophia and he just wanted to he wanted, he asked me that night, the same night he, he was telling me he had brain cancer, but 
he asked me if I would just back him up and support him and support her because he was going through that. And so that's how that came about. Cause I had already started shooting by then. Yeah. And, um, so my role was just to sort of, yeah, like I said, support him and make sure that that went well. But then during the course of the film, it was very hard because he was here and he had just had a tumor removed from his brain and we were there taking care of him and it was, you know, we're not doctors and, yeah. and it was a really, really, uh, it was a rough one. That was, that was a rough time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, gr- I'm glad I, you know, I'm, I feel, um, honored of course that he asked me like always and i feel uh grateful for sophia and i feel grateful to myself and the crew that that you know had um finished the film and uh took it to completion so that was you know that was our task and that's what we did Mm. and uh but man that was yeah that was a really that was a hard one yeah well the end product um, is pretty seamless, I would say. Ah, thank you. Um, so bridging now into, cause you mentioned that um, you were already shooting, you were already a working DP by the time the bling ring was being shot. Um, and you had also mentioned, as we said, your collaboration with Kelly Reichardt. Um, I I wanna say that I, 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 in my research that I saw that Meek's Cutoff was your first film as a, full-on cinematographer is that correct well not really i did a low budget film in new orleans that i don't think ever saw the light of day (laughs) so uh so it wasn't not not literally but the one that um the one that that uh came out the one that was the the prominent um feature of my work and you know the movie that 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 people will list as my first one is Meeks. And I, you know, I, I don't mind that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say that's a pretty good first, uh, first job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How did you hook up with Kelly to begin with? Um, I had worked with, uh, that's again, that, that came from Gus's world. Hmm. And I had worked on, what was it? Oh, it was Paranoid Park. And Neil Kopp was, is Kelly's producer and still is Neil and Anish now. And, um, and for years. But before that, I worked on Paranoid Park as a first assistant with Chris Doyle. And Kelly had just started Meeks. And she they were she was um having a problem with her and the the DP weren't getting along and there was there was an issue. And so uh Neil threw my name in the hat and it was just this craziest thing. I was reading the script on the way. I was reading the script in the, on the airplane and I met her at four in the morning on the way out <laughs> to the desert <laughs> and I've uh, never left her side. <laughs> yeah. I know you've, so you've shot just for the record, you've shot Meek's cut off night moves, certain women, and now first cow, which unfortunately I've not gotten to see yet oh, yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. Um, I know I was so, so, so excited for so long and then this happened. So I'm sure I'll get to see it eventually. Yeah, there'll um, be another rollout. Yeah. So what do you think it is about her work that ma- that matches with your sort of sensibility? Why, why do you two work so well together? Um, I think, I think, um, crazy question. 
<laughs> but, well, because I think that, uh, you know, I consider her just such a friend and I consider her, uh, like I said before, a, a teacher. So I learn a lot from her, but I guess, I guess what I, I can say I appreciate about her style and what she brings to her films is just like, like a, there's a sincerity, there is a, a minimalism, there is a, a, a tonality that, that just distills a film down to an essence of something that I think is like very authentic. And um, it comes from, you know, again, back to my film school, which is tons and tons of conversations with Gus and Harris, where I'm sitting there, you know, with two geniuses and I have a pen and a pen and a pad next to me because I'm always, you know, taking notes. And that's what I did for Harris anyway. But these notes had, you know, become invaluable over the years. But I think that uh, there is a school of thought that is, um, goes to showing something in the most authentic manner. And that is like the distillation of, of coverage and economy of coverage and uh, minimizing like camera setups. And that is something that, that uh, Kelly really adheres to. So I think that like, just as sort of a through line, that's something that I um, think that we see eye to eye on or, and also did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think that's a part of it. But then there's this other part where, you know, I will sit with Kelly before a film and we'll shot list, you know, painstakingly shot list, you know, every single scene and make sure that we're, we're on the same page with, with how we want to approach any specific shot throughout an entire film. And then she wants to throw it away. <laughs> and it's a really funny thing, but it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful also because it's just one of these things where you you're sitting with another person and you're really making sure that you both understand, you know, in the, in the depths of, you know, all the nuances and everything that's involved with telling a story. And then when you get to set, it's like, you know what, you don't need it anymore because you kind of can figure out through the blocking of how to do it. And yeah, you know, sometimes you do things that are, that are just like what you've written down. And I, you know, I carry the shot list with me in my back pocket, but it's funny when I pull it out and she'll say, just put that away. <laughs> sometimes it's, for, it's more for me in a logistical sense where I can tell my crew like, okay, remember we wanted to do a dolly track here and a jib arm there, you know? So it's maybe more of a practical thing at times, but that's the way that we sort of meld our, our brains together before a project. And it is exciting to know that it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's not scripture. It's like, it's something that, that we can throw away. It's more about us getting our heads together to tell a story. So it is a very collaborative thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's the um, beauty of it. That's what I love about what I get to do is collaborating. But, you know, I mean, Kelly is someone that before I, before I see her in prep, you know, she's already, there's these books that she makes. So, of, of still images and paintings and sculptures. And there's, you know, her, her research is, is intense, very in depth and just immaculate. And so we start off from there. So it's, 
it's a lot of times more in the beginning, more about me just understanding what she's after. And then when we really distill it into shots and break things down into our, you know, our camera language, that's where we get to really like talk through each, each thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, were you, were you a fan of her film before then or, or had you not seen them like Wendy and Lucy and old joy? No, I saw old joy and I loved it. Okay. Yeah. These are the kind of films I, I really love. Yeah, me too. I mean, Kelly record is pretty, she's pretty much my favorite filmmaker. So. Oh, that's um, great. I love when people say that. I mean, cause she's, <laughs> of course I'm biased, but she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, that's part of the reason I was uh, very excited and pleased that you agreed to come on. Oh um, yeah. And I appreciate that. Cause I, I, I love her work. I love how her work looks and sounds and I feel like no one really uh, quite does what she does. Yeah. She's, she's incredible. I think, yeah, she's like, I think she's the best living American director. I'd agree with that. So even amongst her, the four films now, right, four that you've done with her, um, and then amongst your other films, it does seem like you have tackled many, many different genres. I mean, even with, with Kelly, while her films stay very minimal and intimate and in small scale um you know she's done a western and a thriller and you know a moving triptych realist drama you know she she kind of dabbles in different styles as well yeah. and then you've you've done a lot of different genres even just as a dp but also clearly in your work as a second and first assistant uh -huh. um what draws do, do you have a like a motivation to sort of dabble in these different styles or is there one that you sort of find more difficult than the others or no I don't have a motivation for anything except a good script <laughs> yeah. I think that I think the script dictates and informs um the visuals I think that uh yeah it starts with the script so to me it doesn't matter I don't have a motivation to do any a particular genre and I actually in a way you know I admire and I I I like I enjoy when something hits me out of left field mm. and it's to me it's a challenge you know I, I you know this is a good thing to, to call out I think is that for first cow was 18 in the year like 1817 in the uh, Pacific Northwest like the frontier of America and so it's it's not developed yet. And it's, there's, you know, there's one fort for every, you know, 500 miles or something. And there's, you know, people are making their money by, you know, bear trapping bears and everybody's dirty. And it's just this, you know, it's the beginning of this culture here. And mm -hmm. then my, the film I went to do immediately after that was with another dear friend of mine, Autumn DeWild called Emma which oh, was yeah. this, the same year, it was the same year. And it's so, but this is civilized England. So this is, this is a costume film and this is like a Jane Austen mm. story. And so, I mean, they are the same time period, the same era, but just diff, completely different genres. And, and to me, that was a challenge, but it was exciting, I, you know? That's so interesting. I had not, I had not, I would have never put that together. Yeah, it's really wild. <laughs> it's, I mean, they're the antithesis of each other. And like to me, and, uh, you know, and also not to mention the, the scale of budgets. Were 
Yeah, that was another yeah. thing I was going to mention. I mean, yeah. Kelly's budgets, even now, as she continues to kind of slowly get you know more and more notoriety, her budgets stay pretty small. And yeah. then you look at a film like Emma, and I can only imagine the budget is blows that one out of the water. Yeah, it was enormous. It was yeah. Enormous. And so that therefore, you know, another challenging thing to deal with, but exciting, you know. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same way. Like in between films, when I'm lucky enough to do a commercial here or there to make you know to make a living in between i get i i i get excited because i have all these resources now and it's fun to it's like i'm testing things for you know to put in the in the bank for for future projects for for future films sure yeah yeah and so all of this is again going to that that thing getting knowledge through experience so you mentioned Emma by Autumn DeWilde, and then also recently you've done Mid Nineties from Jonah Hill. Yeah. Um, and you've it seems like you've done quite a few actually um, debut films. Um, yeah. I know Emma was Autumn's first film, mm -hmm. Jonah's first film, Mid Nineties, and then you also did things like Low Down and I Am Michael. Is is that just by chance, or, or do you sort of enjoy developing those sort of like first breaths sort of projects no i think it's i think it's the it's the people involved and again mm. it's the script if i really like the script i'm gonna go for it and if i get along with the director and producers involved with it then i'm in and so i mean uh that the movie michael was a dear friend of mine justin kelly who i love and i think he's a an amazing phenomenal filmmaker and so that was a that was a no-brainer right. um i did uh you know jonah's film was uh was something that was very close to my heart you know growing up skateboarding in los angeles and you know their their era was 10 years later than mine but even still it had the same same energy and the same um emotion you know attached to it and nostalgia and uh, I had met Jonah through um, through Spike. Spike hooked me up with Jonah. At a, we were at Musso and Frank's. It was my wife's birthday. And uh, Jonah was a big part. He really helped. I'm sorry, Spike was a big help for Jonah. You know, he, um, he really helped him develop that script. And, uh, you know, and they're good friends. And so he, Jonah was looking for a DP. And I happened to be there, I actually snuck up on him with my Polaroid camera, <laughs> take a picture. And I was acting as if I was like, you know, someone like a paparazzi or something. And uh, I saw Jonah's face because he didn't know me. He was like ready to push me away. Like, no, what do you do? Get out of here. And uh, Spike threw a napkin at me and said, blah, belt. And so we had a couple laughs. And that night, uh, Spike told Jonah I, would, I should be the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and gratefully so, thankfully so. And so that movie had that movie got pushed a couple of years. So over the course of those years, you know, Joan and I became better friends and we would talk about the film and and you know, using that time to uh to prepare yourself is invaluable, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, then there was then there was Lowdown I did with Jeff right. Price, who I love dearly. And I mean, those, that film was, was also a magical experience because of John Hawks and Elle Fanning, who's still my friends. And I, 
like such such good actors <laughs> yeah aren't they just the best and i know yeah and you know i mean this is a this is another crazy hollywood story which is the story is about uh amy daviston uh amy joe and she's a friend of ours she's a script supervisor <laughs> that me and all my assistant friends know and love and so well while we're prepping to make this film like the the you know, the heart that went into it was real. You know, we were really, you know, I couldn't let her down. And she's someone that I still talk to and love dearly. And we're telling her story, her childhood story, which was just a yeah. crazy thing. I mean, I remember days where we're scouting and we're looking for her mother's apartment and Amy's there and she's bringing, she brought like these little photographs and little knickknacks that, that were her mother's, you know. And so, man, that was a real, that was a heavy film to make. Well, that, yeah, that's like, that's a little bit of a inception there. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that weird, like transcending uh-huh. the uncanny valley kind of thing. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when it crosses, yeah, when things cross over, uh, I, yeah, I guess there's more weight to it, of course. But I mean, I think, you know, we take me, my crew, we take it, we take it, you know, to heart. Everything's, we want to do good work and everybody around me, bless them all. I, I, you know, I never, I don't accept much praise without bringing that, bringing them up because there's a lot of people, you know, involved that collaborate and that I rely on for, for advice and for, you know, technical support in all of this that, you know, I couldn't do what I do without them yeah yeah um what would you say i'm just curious was your uh, most challenging film to shoot as a, as a dp um hmm, interesting one uh I think, I think emma was really hard that was hard the last one that i did because it was uh it was um it was a long, long time. I was in England and it was cold and it was wet. <laughs> and it was, uh, there was a lot of, um, a lot of struggle with, with uh, figuring out our days because of like, there were just logistical things that just could never fit into the puzzle, you know? Yeah. And that was just a constant sort of thing that, that would beat us down. So that one I feel was hard, but you know, it was something that if it was, if it was a six week shoot, it would have been fine. But since it was a six month shoot, it was something that just like day after day, like really beat, beat us up. So that one was, was, was emotionally hard, but then yeah. there's jobs that I think maybe every job we do with Kelly is physically hard <laughs> because we're always in the rain, in the mud, in the snow, and it's always sub zero somewhere at night <laughs> yeah i know i was watching the uh the the bonus stuff on the old joy criterion uh-huh. um which i know you, you weren't the dp for but just hearing everyone talk about basically yeah. just like <laughs> lugging everything through the woods every day for hours mm. um and you know it's it's raining one day it's really hot the next day like yeah that's kind of what i picture for her for her stuff yeah i can't talk too much about this because she'll call me a crybaby. <laughs> but I but we know we all know that they're hard but you know that's like if there's a beauty there as well and I think there's something to be said for 
you know, working in the, a smaller existence like that and working hard and working in these conditions. I mean, our family, we are so tight. I mean, I talk to these people or text with these people or communicate with them, you know, every other day, practically, you know, we are a tight, tight family Yeah. and everybody helps. And so this job and, you know, in contrast to the bigger uh, sort of studio structure, you know, we do everything together. All the lines are blurred. You know, the, the, the camera department, the grips, the electrics, the cost, everybody helps everyone else. And I really like that environment a lot. You know, it feels, it's just, we do it all ourselves and the producers are carrying camera cases and, you know, we're, it's just, we take it, we take the brunt of and all the pain together. And therefore it makes us just, the camaraderie is, is, is incredible. And I love these people. And, you know, I love making these films with these people. Yeah. And I, I think that's really, really important. I can imagine that being vital sort of that, that community family type environment, um, especially carried from film to film to film, because there ends up, that ends up sort of leading into this sort of consistency and, mm -hmm. and everyone working together. And I, I, I you know, I, I almost kind of think you can, you can see that in the finished products. Yeah, I feel the same. I think it transcends into what, what comes out on the screen. And yeah. I, that's just me. And I, I think, but as a, as a collective, it's, it's just the best. And, you know, there, there is, it's, there's a shorthand there because Kelly has picked over the years who she likes to be in what position. And she also considers, I think she considers how they are together you know, so therefore our family, our sort of whole family dynamic isn't as dysfunctional as things can be when you just sort of throw people together and, you know, and maybe there's, you know, some oil and water here and there, yeah. you know, where ours is like, there's a shorthand. And when we get back together, it's like, it's just like the family's here, you know, the family's back. That's so nice though. That must be, it just probably makes it so much more exciting to get back into it. It does. It really does. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so before we go, I did want to talk about these books that you're making. Um, oh, yeah. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned to me, you um, have these two, you used two of them so far. There's a mid 90s book and yeah. one for Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, which is a Gus Van Zandt film. Is that the only Gus Van Zandt film you've been the DP for? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that must have been pretty rad. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, see, that's a perfect segue because when I when I was asked to do when Gus asked me to do the film, uh, I was just I couldn't believe it. I think, you know, and I, I know that um, if Harris was still alive, it would be Harris. And if Harris asked me to work on it as, you know, toilet bowl scrubber, I would be there <laughs> and as well as Gus. And so. I remember I was um, with my wife at, at her mother's house in Arizona and uh, I just, I had taken a walk and um, out in the desert and it was so beautiful. And I was having this just existential life, you know, feeling. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about Harris and how lucky I was to, to be asked to make a film for Gus. And, and I, I thought I just it took me back to how I used to work for Harris and what I used to do for him was I was the person that cataloged everything 
So I would take the Polaroids and I would glue them in the book and we would write our exposures and everything was very tactile. You know, there wasn't, we didn't have computers yet. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it, it just came to me and I, and I have this, this dear friend of mine who's one of my camera assistants, Jake, who's a, who's a, an artist. And so I thought that what a great way to pay tribute and homage to Harris by compiling these and making a book out of it. Because on the game, we actually made, they, they, they used to be composition books that we had just, you know, um, glued Polaroids and written all of our notes on them and exposures. And uh, the grips, Mike Koo, uh, the key grip, uh, he made these, these um, wooden boxes for Harris at the end and they all fit in there so he could have them on his bookshelf. So I always really um, enjoyed that process and I really appreciated the, the document it created. So on that film, on the one I did now with Gus, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. We really, um, we really dug into it and we really uh, um, diligently drew out and wrote down all of our exposures and took all our references. And so at the end of it, I was just going to make a book to give to the crew and give to Gus. And when I went and showed Gus a prototype, he, he, uh, he freaked out and he loved it. And he said, we should get Amazon to publish this. And, and, uh, and I kind of realized that I, I, you know, I felt like I had something there that was maybe that would maybe be nice to share with more than just our crew. And that's when these books, that's how this, that was the inception of, of this, um, this idea. And so I've called the series, I call this series, there's two. <laughs> it's, it's called Concerning Cinematography with a big plus sign. And the plus exists there because while we were um, uh, in post-production for this film, uh, Paul McCarthy, the artist, uh, was a friend and a person that my wife worked for uh, as a producer. Um, and so, and Gus and Paul, it really started to hit it off during this process and, and I did as well. And I, and again, it reminded me of those conversations I would sit in with Gus and Harris. And I just, I couldn't get over how amazing, how, how just sort of uh, free and creative these guys, these, these guys' brains were and how they were together. And so uh, in this book, I made the whole, um, we'll ask Paul to do the forward first. And then I got the idea just to record a conversation we had. And so I picked up Gus one day and we went to Paul's studio and we had Paul's son Damon there. Uh, my wife was there. My book producer was there. And uh, we picked, uh, Michael Pitt just happened to be at Gus's house. <laughs> so he's in the conversation, which adds some hilarity to it. Uh, anyway, that's how it all started. And then I, uh, after that book, I'm just self-publishing them. And, uh, I made one for mid nineties, which I'm also really proud of. And I hope to do more because it's just, it's, it's, um, I, I always like to say that, or I always want to say that I'm making these books, not as an authority on cinematography. It's just, it's just showing the way that I do things and giving some insight to the way that we did them on that particular film. But also adding the artist's perspective is another way to just expand on the idea that film is art, you know? And what does it mean mm-hmm. to any specific, you know, specific person? 
And so, you know, we got Darren Bader, the artist, to hang out with Jonah and us in New York for the mid-90s one. And it was just like, it just gets into some batshit crazy things come out. <laughs> and I and I live for that. I love it because I I think all of this is a, is just an expression, you know? And I think, you know, films, in my opinion, are the greatest form of expression. But it means a lot. It means a lot to a lot of people. And it means different things to different people. And I, I don't know, I just, I guess I really just like that conversation. Yeah. And it's also sort of, these books are sort of like a, a document of the whole experience of making the film in, in a sense. And also, you know, cinematography, it's sort of the thing that you can't watch a movie without seeing, but sometimes people might kind of be looking through it. So it is sort of nice to have this document of, well, th this is what we did on this film from a cinematography standpoint, from an artistic right. visual standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you say it that way also, because I like, I really feel that when I've done a good job, it's people don't need to talk about it. You know, when I, if I read a review for a film that I've done um, and they don't mention me, but they give it a good review, like that is a, that to me is a success, you know, that yeah. is, it's not about me, you know, it's, I, I'm a, I'm there to collaborate and facilitate, of course, but, and help. But I think it's like, I, I like the idea of not making myself a distraction. Yeah. You know, and like like I said in the very beginning, like, you know, the, the source is the script, you know? So if we served the script and told that story in a way that's compelling and a way that, you know, serves its purpose, then that is a job, that is a success. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there then. Um, leave it on success. Yeah, yeah success, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you so much for talking to me, Christopher. It means a lot to me that you agreed to come on. Um, you know, that I got to speak with of course. the guy behind the camera of some of my favorite movies. So that was very exciting for me. Yeah, well, I'm very grateful and I'm loving what you're doing, Jeremy. So keep it going. I appreciate that. And I'll keep it going as long as people keep saying yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I need to keep going. Otherwise, it'll just be me talking to nobody. <laughs> well, it'll happen. You'll be fine. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks. Take care. Bye.